Reaching the Summit Women's Basketball Podcast is brought to you by three basketball-loving humans who express their lack of athletic ability through Extreme Summit League fandom. This podcast is hosted by Jordan Decker, Scott Holland, and Madison Van Wallen. All right, women's basketball fans, welcome back to episode six of Reaching the Summit Women's Basketball Podcast. We have two weeks left in the season, I believe, this week and next two week. Two weeks. That's crazy. That's crazy. Two weeks. So it's, uh, we said it was moving week a couple of weeks ago. It's moving week again because everyone in the three through six uh, right now is, is playing each other. Um, so maybe some things will shuffle around it just a little bit. We're going to get into all of that good stuff and more as well as sit down with Kansas City head coach and one of their breakout players. Let's start by talking about what the implications are for, for the tournament right now and what needs to happen this week for some specific teams. Uh, it's kind of now or never for, for Omaha. The Mavs are one game back of Denver uh, for the eighth spot. Denver beat the Mavs in the head-to-head. They face off again on Saturday. So if Denver knocks off Omaha, they are locked in, and Omaha is automatically out. So Den- or Omaha has to win this week. Otherwise, it's it's over for, for the Mavs after having such a promising end of the season a year ago getting to the Summit League Championship. Yeah, tough to just have the one game on a Saturday for both of those squads. I'm going to be a little slow tonight, everyone. Sorry, I don't currently have a laptop, so I'm going to be doing back and forth on my phone in the Zoom meeting, so. Um, yeah, and then we talk about the uh, coveted sixth spot right now. North Dakota State's a half game up on, web, uh, on Western Illinois. The Bison are on the road at uh, Kansas City and Oral Roberts this week. Western hosts the uh, two South Dakota schools. WIU and NDSU split the season series. Right now, NDSU has the most impressive win when it, you break down the tiebreakers. So if the Bison can pick up a split this week and Western gets swept, the Bison are cemented into that sixth spot. If the Bison and Western both get swept, it's coming down to the last week of the season. So a lot to play for for NDSU and maybe kind of some away from the top half of the league games if you're taking a look at that this, this weekend. Yeah, we're really not sure what that three through five and possibly the three through six is going to look like. We have an idea of, of who's going to be in those spots, but we don't know in what spots particularly they're going to be. So it is about to get interesting. Um, we talk about North Dakota State going down and trying to get a win at Kansas City, but there's also implications for Kansas City. So as it sits right now, Kansas City has reached 20 wins in a season for uh, just the fourth time ever. They're on a seven-game winning streak. They're 11-2 and two at home. Their last two home games are this weekend, um, looking to extend that win streak to nine games if they can, as they host both North, North Dakota schools, excuse me. Uh, we also uh, had talked about, kind of before we hopped on the podcast, that they're, they've moved up in the College Insider mid-major poll. They're currently sitting at 22. Um, so that's exciting for them and also for the league that it's not only, or not just SDSU and USD, um, up there anymore. We kind of have some other teams moving their way in there. So question for you guys. Uh, like I said, Kansas City is, is 20 and five right now. If they pick up two this weekend, that'll put them at 22 and five. Um, let's assume 
that they get swept by the South Dakota schools next weekend. That would put them at 22 and seven. They go into the tournament, they win at least one game. Now they have a 23 win season. Do you think that that provides an opportunity for them to get into the WNIT? Are we going to assume that both South Dakota schools make the NCAA tournament? That, see, that's the other thing we have to assume. Well, we can assume it both ways. Let's, let's first assume that both the South Dakota schools make the NCAA tournament. And then after that conversation, we'll assume that one makes it and one does not. Yeah, and, um, I think uh, Scott will mention it here, but I, I think yes to both. If they can finish 23 and 7, 23 and 8, whatever that is, um, I think that's a, a, a decent resume to have to go to the WNIT, especially when they let in um 64 schools i believe um if one of the south dakota schools is let out i still think that that provides an opportunity for for them to get in it'll probably probably be close but um yeah i think scott like you said they don't really have you might be able to dive into this a little bit better but they don't really have like a quality i guess non-conference win that could help propel them to make a little bit stronger case yeah it's not a real, I mean, it's not the non-conference that the two South Dakota schools played, obviously, but Southern Illinois, I had a chance to see uh, the Salukis when they were at Western Hall earlier this season. They're a pretty talented team out of the Missouri Valley, and that's usually a pretty good league. But, you know, I don't think the Salukis are really, you know, I think they're more of a middle-of-the-pack Missouri Valley team. Wyoming's a name, but I don't think they're a real great program. Not a whole lot of great wins. Uh, Santa Clara, West Coast Conference is usually a pretty good program. But, yeah, not a lot there. But I think we're going to find out about a lot about Kansas City these next two weeks. They've got four of the top six teams in the summit. North Dakota State uh, – I'm sorry, they lost to North Dakota earlier this season. So that's kind of a revenge game for them and obviously closing with the two South Dakota schools. So chance for, for the Ruse to make a statement these last two weeks. But, yeah, I mean – it's all there in front of them. I mean, it really is. They've kind of proven themselves against the lower half of the league that they are the three seed right now. So this is a chance for them to really kind of step, take a strong step in that direction and kind of assert themselves in that spot. And yeah, I think if they do end the year two and two and maybe split, a, split the conference tournament, they're right there in the discussion for a WNIT, whether both South Dakota schools make the NCAA tournament or just one does. In my opinion, I think the, uh, the UND game is, is not only important for standings, right? Because if UND beats Kansas City, they move one game closer to them for that third spot. But I also think it's important to see how Kansas City comes out in that game um, and how they play, um, you know, the, the, to come out of the second half too. Because if they can have a strong four-quarter game against UND, you know, USD, they've had obviously great defensive game and stuff, but there's a couple of games in UND especially that they came out slow and UND – uh, you know, with Casey, they, they they had good plays, they had good ball movement. They were obviously shooting it well, but they were scoring. You know, if Kansas City can use that, you can't close the door on a possible upset at one of the South Dakota schools, but specifically USD. And as a USD alum, that pains me to say it, but when you see these tendencies and 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 how teams start off and play against one another, and Kansas City might have a shot next weekend. I'll throw it out they there. Win close, they win close games. And as we know in the, they do. In the tournament, it's usually close. I know Madison is going to talk about that later in the podcast. Uh, but the, the Ruse excel when things are tight. So that's maybe something to kind of keep an eye on them. If they can get into a back and forth situation with someone, they're not going to panic down the stretch. Yeah. So there's a couple of different scenarios to look at here, like we talked about. I did want to say, should Kansas City upset one of the Dakota schools? Uh, 
next weekend. I don't care which one. I think that that solidifies, should should solidify or at least propel um, their, their WNIT possibilities. If you can beat a tournament caliber team at the end of the season, I think that you're I, I think that they that they should be in. So the the scenarios we talked about outside of that though were if uh, if both South Dakota schools make the NCAA tournament, does Kansas City get into the WNIT? Provided that they stay in the number three spot in the league, yes, they do. And here's why. For those of you that don't know, the WNIT, like we said, is a 64 uh, team tournament. 32 of those spots go to the best team in each conference in the country. So it's like an automatic qualifier. So if Kansas City has the best record and both those South Dakota schools get into the NCAA tournament, then Kansas City is in the WNIT. If um, one of those South Dakota schools does not get into the NCAA tournament, then they'll be the one to get into the WNIT. But Scott had pointed out before we jumped on the podcast tonight, we were kind of prepping for this. uh, The Summit League has had two teams in the WNIT before. It happened in 2017 when Western uh, won the conference tournament, SDSU and IUPUI were in the WNIT. And I think you, I think you said it maybe happened another year, but I'm not sure which year that was. So that's uh, certainly a possibility. And again, if Kansas City can beat one of the South Dakota schools in the regular season here next weekend, then I think that's, I I think that would, that would push their case forward um, for sure. Let's get both South Dakota schools in the NCAA tournament, and then let's get Kansas City and UND in the uh, WNIP. WNIP. That would wake some sleepers, wouldn't it? All four teams have players that could uh, obviously make noise in their respective tournaments, whatever they go into. Yeah. Yes, they do. It's it's exciting stuff. It's we. I, I'll talk about that uh, with Naomi Alnatis a little bit later, just how, how stacked the league is and um, – Kansas City definitely respects the competition. I can tell you that much, but I'll save the rest for for you all to listen to when we get uh, to that point. All right, we're going to move off Kansas City for a little bit. Uh, We'll bring back Madison's interview with Coach Hoyt and a special guest, one of the players, uh, who's probably favorite for player of the year. But for now... Uh, when this guy writes articles for the Summit League pertaining to women's basketball, we think it's a good idea that we chat about it. And so Greg Mitchell writes for the Summit League. Uh, his Mitchell report comes out weekly, and he had an article that was released today or on uh, Wednesday, excuse me, called Sizing Up a Fascinating Women's Basketball Player of the Year Race. And he's 100% right, Madison and Scott. This is a uh, I don't want to say it's wide open, but it's it's a almost like a a fresh group of of players that, and we talked a little bit about this offline, but not dominated by the South Dakota schools. And so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna quote the first paragraph because I love this and it's quirky and fun. So here's Greg Mitchell how he starts off this week's Mitchell report. The race for women's summit league player of the year is turning out like a trip to the ice cream store. Staring out at the freezer, there are a lot of options and you have some hard decisions to make. Cookies and cream, mint chocolate chip, lavender honey, something tried and true like vanilla or chocolate. Whatever you end up deciding, you can't really go wrong. End quote. Lavender honey, you guys. (laughs) Um, But here's who he's got uh, for some player of the year to watch. Um, Naomi Alnadas of Kansas City, Casey Barovich, North Dakota. Chloe Lamb, South Dakota, 
Hannah Shervin, South Dakota, Paige Meyer, South Dakota State. And then at the end of the article, there's a rest of the pack that features, uh, that highlights, excuse me, Brooklyn McDavid, Uju Azudu, Danny Nichols, and Evan Zarr, Tirza Moore, and Jade Hill. So I guess you guys want to talk about that list that he's got uh, agrees anyone he left off there um, with a couple weeks to go. I, I still think it's wide open for player of the year, but that first team is going to be a great group of uh, young women. Well, I just think it's really interesting because the two South Dakota schools, they spread things out so well and so evenly, you know, Shervin, Lamb, uh, Corn Gable for USD, you have Selland, who I don't even think he talked about the reigning player of the year kind of, you know, mm-hmm. Paige Meyer, I just, they're, they're so balanced and they can just beat you in a lot of different ways. And then it seems like everybody else has one or two stars that really kind of gets them going. Alnatis, we talked about for KC, Ajudu, you've got uh, Mert, you just, it seems everybody has a star. And then the, the South Dakota schools just have that incredible balance where they can put, you know, we've seen it in years past, four or five girls on the first and second team, but just between those two squads. So it's, it's interesting to see what do you value more the, the, the player who can really kind of lead their team in in is the star or, you know, that split vote, which is probably going to happen between, well, who do you like from USD or who do you like from SDSU based on who wins the league? So it's an interesting breakdown with how people kind of choose that vote or make that decision. Glad it's not me making it. I tell you that right now. I do have a vote. So. All right. Well, good for you. (laughs) I feel. Uh, And I am undecided at this point. I, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Um, when do you have, when do you vote on that? I'm just curious. Like, when does that happen? We usually get the ballots. Um, I want to say Monday morning after the finale or the Saturday afternoon of the, after the last game of the day is usually when the ballots go out and they have to be in, I want to say Wednesday morning, because they usually put everything out Tuesday or Thursday at the, uh, pre pre-conference tournament presser. Got it. Okay. Um, To your point about some teams having a star and some teams having balance, I actually think, and this may be offhanded, you can tell me I'm wrong if you want, but I think that these other teams are, I don't think it's wrong to have a star, but I think these other teams are going to kind of learn how to be balanced because when you're playing teams as tough as USD and SDSU that are balanced, you also have to be balanced. They're going to shut down your best player. They're not just going to let, like, we, we know who the best player is. And we were just talking about this kind of off the air about, about Katie Scott, who kind of broke out for ORU and she's hitting, you know, shots at the buzzer because people still don't think that she's the playmaker. So when you get to a, a situation like that, where you have, I think all these teams have people that can be the playmaker. They're just kind of, you know, letting one person do it. So I think that they're going to, I think that maybe we'll see the league become more balanced across all the teams as as we continue on but maybe not maybe i'm spewing bs that's fine too no i just i think that's what separates sds do sdsu and usd apart from people i mean i'm sure you guys saw the tweet uh, jd gravina put out on twitter is yeah. taking suggestions mm-hmm. for how to slow down sdsu because you you're not going to beat them if you take away one or two players you're just not because their three through five is just as good as anyone's else one, two, and three, if not better. Some of the suggestions, I wish I could remember them. They were so funny. Scott, you had one, the (laughs) transparent rim protector or something like that. 
Yeah, someone mentioned uh, doing a one, two, three zone. Someone brought up uh, Bill Murray. I don't play defense from Space Jam. Mm -hmm. MJ secret stuff from Space Jam. Off and they're off fire. Did you guys see the, so if any of you are men's basketball fans out there or just college basketball fans in general, you know that uh, IUPUI has a little bit of an odd situation going on right now. Um, and there was a tweet about them, I don't know, last night or the night before about how they still, they only have six guys available. And it was just a joke that like the, the bench player is getting a lot of time or whatever. And uh, Dr. Kessler, who is the band, uh, athletic bands director at South Dakota State, tweeted a GIF in the replies. And it was the GIF from Hoosiers that said, my team is on the floor. And I absolutely lost it. I thought it was so funny. So I just wanted to throw, <laughs> throw that out there as well. It's one of the best parts of that movie amongst <laughs> many. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that about wraps up our, our pre-interview talk. So in just a minute, we will sit down with uh, Naomi Alnatis from Kansas City. All right. Welcome back to, I believe, episode six of the podcast. I am here with Naomi Alnatis from Kansas City. Uh, she is a senior who is leading the league in both scoring and assists. So just go ahead and pop off, girl. Go pop off. Hi, guys. Off. That's <laughs> awesome. How are you? Um, I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Good. I'm good. Thank you. Thank you for sitting down with us today. We really appreciate it. Of course. Of course. All right. So we have a couple of questions for you and then maybe some, some more fun. More fun? Is that how you say that? More fun yeah. questions <laughs> at the end. Um, all right. So I guess the first question is, was there a win that the team got in kind of the early, the late non-con or the early conference part of the season that maybe really sparked the, the little winning streak in the fire for the team? Yeah, I mean, we did have a pretty good non-conference uh, season. And um, honestly, I would say UTA, which was uh, during the tournament. Um, that win was good because, I mean, everybody contributed into that one. Uh, we had a great, I mean, Kiara Bradley, she just show up that day, you know, knocking down threes. And we had good presence from Paige Bradford also in the paint. And it was just fun. I mean, we rally and we grind it. It was um, tough because UTA is just a great team, you know. And it was just fun to see how uh, we just stepped up to the challenge and we actually played really good together. And uh, we, with that game, I want to say we saw what we were capable of doing whenever everybody was locked in and bought it to fit in. And it's just fun. I just, I just think that's what it was. We had a lot of fun on that court. Absolutely. Um, as I mentioned, you are leading the league in both scoring and assists. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a chance to talk about yourself. Um, <laughs> tell me about just your ability to not only get open and knock down some of those shots, but also create opportunities for your teammates. What, what is that like? And how do you, how do you really go about that? Well, what if I told you there is not actually a technique that I am using to go about that? Uh, I think that is just uh, going out there and being the player that I am. Uh, where it's great is that we have so many threat in our team. So everybody has the ability to score. And that's why it is so much fun to play with because yes, the attention could be on me, but 
that's why probably I'm leading in the assist in the conference is just because I have so many um, great talent around me. And it's just, it makes it more fun, I want to say. So I don't have something specific that I am doing. I'm just out here playing basketball. So the game that I love and just enjoying it with my teammates. I think that's, it just comes down to that. And that's it. Absolutely. What are you maybe looking to accomplish personally or as a team as we're, I mean, getting close to closing out the closing out the season? Yeah, so it's true. As a team, we would like to, uh, everybody want to ring, you know, I mean, it's the goal. If Gotta you want to compete, <laughs> if you want to compete, that's what you're looking for. Um, also, we talk a lot about the journey together, you know, and I think that it is important for us to also see that aspect and not only basketball, you know. Um, so as we get close to the end, definitely trying to get better. Um, one person better, that's what Coach JC talked a lot about. Um, but also as an individual, I want to say I'm looking for, I mean, player of the year. That's what I'm kind of looking for this year. Um, but yeah, I, and I think that um, we're, we're doing the right thing, you know to get there, uh, it's gonna come down to sacrifices, you know, being two feet in. And that's it, it's gonna take everybody. It's not gonna be easy because I mean, our conference is such a competitive conference. It is a great, I wanna say conference with great talent, a lot of potential, great players out there. Um, so yeah, we know what it takes and it is actually one game at a time, at a time sorry. We don't look too far ahead. We don't look in the past. We learn from mistakes in the past, you know, to help you uh, understanding what you need to fix, but we have to be in the present and take it one game at a time. So that's our focus right now. Absolutely. Well, you, in my opinion, certainly have a case for player of the year and you're right about the conference. I mean, even just as a fan, someone who I didn't play a sport at a summer league school, but um, mm -hmm. getting a master's degree at a school and, and being so such a big fanatic and, and going yeah. to games and everything there's, I was worried every time you guys came to Brookings. I was yeah. not, and even this year, I, we talked on, on last week's episode, me and the guys about, um, a fan had asked like, who would you not want to face in the Summer League tournament? We were like, uh, Kansas City. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, you're definitely one of those teams. So yeah, don't, don't discount. Don't back down. Team. Yeah. And, uh, we, we, we know, know that about can... us. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. We know that about us, but it is also something we want to embrace. You know, we don't want to run away from it. I think it's a compliment that uh, I mean to answer the question it is actually a compliment that someone else gives your name and get it out of here and you know you get to show that every time and it's just fun to have that kind of reputation I want to say yeah absolutely I'm excited for the tournament because we know that it once you're on that court we don't know what's going to happen so <laughs> it's it's definitely going to be exciting it's going to be crazy so all right <laughs> let's move into some more lighthearted questions I, I'm just going to combine all the, all the fun questions I can think okay. of that we've already asked people. So my first one would be, this is, I believe, Scott Holland's favorite question. Um, is there a place that the team likes to eat on the road? Maybe when you go on a specific road trip or is there a place mm -hmm. you always have to stop? <laughs> okay. I don't think there is a preference in our team. Uh, I just know that our favorite, I want to say, is mostly Italian, you know, pasta, all of that. So, yeah, basically, I want to say that. 
Italian, but we don't have a specific restaurant or anything. We we like to eat, honestly. We do. So anywhere, anywhere we can go. I mean, it's anywhere it's with fine. a pasta bar. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, do you personally have a favorite summit league gym to play in and or a least favorite? So honestly, um, for court-wise, I did like the North Dakota State court. Um, for environment, even if it was kind of against us, but I loved it, was the North Dakota because they had like, you know, that student section. Mm-hmm. And it was disturbing, but I'm going to say it's enjoyable. I love playing in that type of environment where, I mean, the crowd is going crazy and they have like a big student section. I mean, they were really engaged. And I think that these games are the most fun on the yeah, road. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. Do you have a least favorite for any reason? No. Um, I'm trying to think. No, no, I don't have a least favorite one, actually. Do you think that it's cold in Omaha? Because someone was on the Yes, show now that you mentioned that. Okay. It is- <laughs> yeah, we had asked... Well- now that you mentioned that it is cold, but I think it's because they have a the hockey. Yes, yeah. the hockey. Yeah, someone was on the show and mentioned that it was cold. And I asked like three people after that, and they were like, I don't really notice it. And I was like, someone else, I need to find someone yep. else. That can yeah, tell me. I'll give you that um uh, that thing. Yeah, it is cold. It is true. It is cold. But I played uh, I my juco, I was at Iowa Western, you know, so I'm mm-hmm. from there. So arena might be cold, but the shooting's hot. <laughs> Bird in the hoops. Yeah um all right I had another one but I can't remember oh this is Jordan's question have you ever crossed up anybody in practice or had your ankles broken in practice had my ankles broken yeah been crossed up it has to be during my UMKC career uh no if you got crossed up at Iowa Western you can tell me okay so if I've crossed somebody um Yes, but not bad. You know, that's um, my game is very simple. <laughs> I, I play straight down, like from where I'm at to the basket. I don't really yeah. look to do extra, you know. Get out. So I want, then I'm for that. I'm gonna say no. But uh, I say Andre with this girl in practice. Oh, tough to guard. I mean, she's quick. We can say she's quick whenever she's on the go. She is going, and uh, yeah, it's tough to guard her. I hate to say it, but yes, it is hard to guard Sana. So yeah, I will say Sana. That's awesome. Um, what is your like favorite thing about being at KC? What like drew you to the program? What's your what are you most excited about? My teammates. That's it. It comes down to that. Um, being an international student is true. I've always looked for the family aspect. Um, during the my decision making of where I wanted to go, you know how it is in the recruiting process. Everybody wanted to tell you, yes, we are a family, but they're not really about it. Well, uh, Coach B was the one that recruited me at Iowa Western during my JUCO, and when he left, you know, I wanted to be with with him because I kind of know the person that he is outside of basketball. So I chose to come here and my teammate a hundred percent from year one to right now, that has been a culture that we have. And we love to brag about it because we're not just faking it. You know, it's Mm -hmm. real and we love one another and it's just, it makes it 
easier. It makes it more enjoyable. You have better memories, you know, and there is this thing that ties on the inside of you whenever you think about when that thing will be over. But yeah, 100% my teammates. I'll give that to them. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. Well, I thank you so much for sitting down with me. I hope we can send you out as player of the year. That would be oh, so awesome you. just for you and for everyone. I, I, even as an SDSU person, I love when other programs get the recognition because it's, even though the top of our league is so strong, there's so many people knocking at the door all the time. Talent is everywhere. That's one thing about this conference. And yes. I mean, we see it every time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all right, folks, you heard it from Naomi. Anyone can surprise you including her. So (laughs) keep paying attention. Thanks so much for, uh, for joining us, Naomi. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Welcome back. You just heard my conversation with Kansas city senior Naomi Alnatis. And now I am here with Kansas city coach JC Hoyt. Uh, her kangaroos are 20 and five overall, 10 and four in the conference, which is good for third place in the league, just ahead of a tight race for four and five between, I believe, Oral Roberts and North Dakota. So welcome, Coach Hoyt. Thank you. Excited to be here. Awesome. Thanks for sitting down with us. So my first question for you is, how much do you think the strong non-conference performance this year kind of set the tone for, for uh, getting into league play? Yeah, I always feel like that's really important to try and schedule strong and um, just knowing that, um, you know, if you, if you win some of those games against that great competition, then that's really going to set you up um, potentially for a postseason that you might want to have. But also if you, if you lose some of those games, um, you're learning and you're growing and you're kind of understanding, you know, what, what your strengths and weaknesses are and um, just the areas that you need to improve. Um I mean, our conference is so tough. You know, I, I have so much respect for all the teams in it. And so we we really wanted to position ourselves in a way that we felt once conference started that we were prepared and, you know, we kind of had already um, been battle tested in order to, to help us find success come conference season. Absolutely. So speaking of the tough conference, I was going through um, your schedule and looking at some of the scores and more so in December than recently, uh, there were some games that were pretty tight. You played SDSU pretty tight within 10 against USD recently an overtime game with Omaha. Um, Just, I guess, just talk a little bit about those tight margin games and what you've noticed about the resilience in your team. Yeah, I I do think they're very resilient. Um, you know, they're just a team that doesn't quit. Um, we've had, I think, outside of our last game, maybe three or four of our games, we were we were down in the fourth quarter. And, um, you know, always found ways to kind of fight back and um, figure out a way to win. And um, I, I think those are good, though. You never want to be in those games if you can help it. Um, but those those games, man, they, they just, we learn so much about ourselves. We learn so much about special situations and what we want to do, what we don't want to do. Um, and I think as everyone knows, that's kind of what March is made of, you know, is, is games like that. So uh, I'm thankful just for all the lessons I think that we were able to learn throughout that stretch. Yeah. Uh, Naomi thinks those games are fun. She told me so <laughs> at least they're having fun out there when you do find yourself in yeah. those situations. <laughs> 
I'll have to talk to her about that. <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't want to get her in trouble. <laughs> um, Scott refers to, uh, Scott from the podcast refers to Naomi and Brooklyn McDavid as the one-two punch. Uh, what kind of effect do they have on opposing defenses? Yeah, I mean, they're, t- they're tough to guard. You know, Mimi is um, so good at probably... I, I think probably the best in the league, not, not necessarily, I'm not saying the best guard, but I think she's the best in the league just at getting downhill and using a ball screen. Um, and so then when you combine her strengths with putting Brooklyn in that ball screen, I think it's, it's really hard to guard. Um, and they, they just beat off of each other really well. You know, they're, they're both so competitive and um, Brooklyn came here in her fifth year, you know, really wanting to do something special and, um, so she's highly motivated, you know, Mimi's really highly motivated. Um, so it's just fun. I would say having just two very, very competitive people like that, uh, both with the inside presence and outside. Um, but it's kind of funny cause Brooklyn really has evolved into more of like a four player for us. Um, we're not even really putting her down in the post as much, but, um, like I said, they just really feed off of each other and it's been really fun for me to coach both of them and kind of learn different ways that I can position them to be successful. Mm-hmm, for sure. Um, so speaking of being competitive, that certainly helps when it comes to the rebounding effort, which is something your team is currently leading the league in. So talk to me a little bit about that. How has that propelled you? I mean, we see that rebounding, a lot of times the difference in a game is rebounding for sure. So how has that really helped out your team this year? Yeah, that's been a huge emphasis for us um, all year long. We we actually, um, we, we have a couple scoreboards that we keep each game and even in practice. Um, that have nothing to do with the actual score of the game, but one of those scoreboards is rebounding. And we just feel like that's something that we have to do in order to be successful um, on the defensive end, uh, you know, just limiting other teams from, from um, getting second chance opportunities, but more importantly, so that we can run and play that up-tempo style that we want to play. Um, and so I, a lot of it, I think is just, it boils down to toughness and, um, you know, just having the heart to do it. But also I think us being so intentional about it has really helped our players. And um, it's been fun to just see them take so much pride in it. Yeah. So last uh, serious question, if you will. I, looking at your roster, I wouldn't say that your team's extremely young, but I also wouldn't say that it's veteran heavy. I think maybe two or three grad students, three seniors, four sophomores and four freshmen. So what are you looking to see you know, over the next couple of years out of that, out of that future? Do you think it's definitely beneficial to have maybe a few grad students and seniors, but also kind of a heavier, younger class as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I can't really say that was by design. I think the, the transfer portal and just kind of everything that's, that's evolved recently um, across the landscape of college athletics has kind of you know, you're seeing more and more grad students on rosters and things like that. Um, And really when we signed that freshman class, we had no idea how it was going to play out, you know, in terms of the transfer portal and the extra COVID year and all those things. So, um, but I think it's, it's very beneficial. I just adore our upperclassmen and, and our newcomers. Um, But I think they're just a perfect balance of um, the upperclassmen really taking on a, a mentorship role and um, really just kind of taking them, you know, the, the newcomers under their wings and saying, you know, hey, this is, this is the level that you have to um, compete. And this is the level of work ethic that you have to have um, in order to be successful. And um, our newcomers have really 
you know, taken that and ran with it. And um, I mean, Mimi, for example, when Mimi first got here, she barely played and she was playing behind at the time, our player of the year um, in Erica Mattingly in the, in the WAC, uh, the, the conference that we were previously in. And so now, you know, the things that Mimi's doing, she learned that from Erica years ago. And so we feel like um, we, as a staff, um, you know, want to take a lot of pride in helping those, those underclassmen and those newcomers kind of, you know, to just evolve into, into better players and um, learn lessons from those upperclassmen. And so it's, it's really been a fun mix, um, just a really perfect balance, I think. Yeah. Um, I lied about the last serious question because you mentioned the whack and now I thought of one. Um, talk to me just briefly about if, if there's a difference um, of style, difference of skill level, difference of pace, physicality between the WAC and the Summit? Yeah, there's a huge difference. Um, I think the WAC in general, probably a little more athletic, um, but I think the Summit League, um, you are going to be battle tested every single game from top to bottom. Um, and I, I, I would say, I think just the, um, I queue of the players across the board is is a lot higher um you know you, you're gonna you're gonna play teams that are never really gonna beat themselves in the summit league um i think that's why it's so hard to win in this league because you just you really have to show up and be at your best every single game and so um i think there were some really great things about the WAC, but um there's no doubt the summit league um i i think it's just kind of in a league of its own yeah it's super exciting to see as a fan i have I dream of the day when we're a consistent two-bid league, and I think that we're on our way. Just my opinion, but I think we're on our way. So, all right, let's move into our Summit Roulette. My first question is one of Jordan's favorite questions. So we would typically ask the players, and I asked Mimi, have you ever been crossed up um, or broken anyone's ankles in practice? But have you, Coach, ever witnessed that uh, in the gym at practice? Oh, gosh. Um I, I mean, yeah, of course. I'd, I've been around the game long enough. I've seen it. I, t I feel like actually it happened today in practice with um, <laughs> with one of our players um, crossing somebody else up. And um, our player was, it was Paige Bradford, actually. She was really quick to get up. And then she blocked the girl and she made sure, she, she told everyone, I did get crossed. I just, she stepped on my foot. So um, <laughs> yeah, it actually happened today in practice. That's, that's awesome. <laughs> Do you have a, uh, Mimi said, mentioned that the team likes Italian. Would you, would you attest to that, that there's a lot of pasta going on when we're on the road and stopping at restaurants, or do you think there's another favorite? Uh, well, we, we do love our Italian. We eat a lot of Mexican food. Um, I'm a big lover of chips and salsa and every, every night on the road, we always have a fajita bar the night before games. So we also eat a lot of Mexican food. Okay. So there's traditions that are, that are yeah. rooted for sure. Do you personally have a favorite road trip for whatever reason? I think they're all unique in their different ways. Um, I just, I love this conference because they just, they love their women's basketball and that is so precious to me, you know, and just um, important to, I think, give our players opportunities to play in front of great fan bases. And, um, you know, I think both South Dakota, South Dakota state, um, are going to give you that, um, oral Roberts is always fun for us because there are our travel partners. Um, I mean, Western Illinois is a tough place. I, I think there's something unique and really special about each place. Um, I don't know that I can say a favorite. I, I know I like winning. So if we've, if we've won there, then that's, that's yeah. probably, 
probably better than losing. <laughs> yeah. Well, in last week on the podcast, we talked to um, Jerry P from Sioux Falls Sports Authority. And he mentioned kind of like you said that we, uh, we appreciate our women's basketball. And I just want to take a hot second to anyone listening. We really are spoiled. Like I said last week, I, I live in Clemson, big ACC town, not the same not the same and that's a power five so we really are spoiled with with the level of talent and and the coaching and just everything that we have for women's basketball um do you think it's cold in omaha not the weather but like in the arena do you think that the ice from the hockey makes it cold i i am always cold there um when i was an assistant at kansas state before i got the head job here uh we played there and that was the number one thing that i remembered was just that i was freezing the whole time (laughs) I wore a dress and um, now, you know, when we're on the road, we go like, you know, the bubble, the bubble look, um, mm-hmm. we kind of press down and, uh, but we're always make sure depending on where we go, like that we're packing accordingly, you know, so yeah, in Omaha, we, always, we always have the thicker, you know, t- tops that we wear. That's funny. I love that. <laughs> um, do you, this will be my last question. Do you have a... I don't like to use the word favorite, but for lack of a better term, like a favorite memory, whether it be at Kansas City or, you know, any, anywhere that you've been a favorite, just memory, like something that happened in a game or practice or anything like that. Yeah, uh, our third year here, uh, we won the we won the WAC for the first time in program history. Um, that, that was really special uh, for a lot of reasons. Um, that group of players were just I mean, they, they really took a chance by coming here and, you know, wanted to do something that had never been done. And so to be a part of that was really special. Um, but I am having the time of my life right now with this team. Um, this whole season has been, uh, I would say, probably my most fun group to date, um, just because they're all so bought in. Um, I mean, they, they just truly love one another. They work hard, you know, and so... And, I know that's probably kind of a boring answer, but um, I, I can't even put like one game or one memory this year because it's just like the daily interactions, the daily experiences that you have. And um, I, you know, I, I, I think all of us don't want it to end this year. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely, I think just even, and I can't speak for everyone, but the environment post COVID, if we can say that, you know, things are kind of starting to to ease up a little bit and it's, it's just different. So, and people getting an extra year, maybe to cherish that more definitely um, impacts that as well. So thank you so much for sitting down with us. We really appreciate it. That is coach JC Hoyt of Kansas city, looking to close out the summit league season on a high note. Thank you. Okay. We're back. And uh, to close out the episode, we're going to, uh, preview this weekend's games uh, Thursday and Saturday. So we'll start with Thursday. We've got USD at St. Thomas. That's a seven o'clock tip. North Dakota at Kansas City, a six o'clock tip. South Dakota State at Western Illinois is a six o'clock tip. And North Dakota State at Oral Roberts is a seven o'clock tip. Saturday, all 10 teams in action. USD at Western Illinois is two o'clock. South Dakota State at St. Thomas, one o'clock. North Dakota State at Kansas City, two o'clock. North Dakota at Oral Roberts, two o'clock. And then Omaha is at Denver, and that's a three o'clock central tip-off. What are our initial thoughts on this weekend's games? 
Well, I mean, like we talked about before that Omaha, Denver, um, that's where my eyes are for the most part. Well, everything in the three through six too, but I think that's the, that's the one game that's going to decide, like Scott said, now or never for Omaha. So I think that's a pretty important game. Yeah, I would say yeah, I like that game. I like that Sorry, game. Scott. I like, oh yeah. Uh, those, that three through six slot, uh, North Dakota State, Kansas City, North Dakota, Oral Roberts. That's a big uh, slate of three, a big slate of games there that'll really go a long way to set seating and have everybody an idea of where we're headed uh, in two weeks. Yeah, and, I, and for me, we talked a lot about Kansas City this episode, but I think UND um, needs that momentum as well. The two big games on the road for them um, with Kansas City and Earl Roberts. And Thursday's game uh, with North Dakota and Kansas City, I would say if Summit League fans, if you can – I'm not familiar if Kansas City's got a free live stream, but that would be the game they Thursday do. night. They do? Okay, they perfect. Do. I would. That would be the game that I would watch. Um, there's a lot of really great players on that. Um, for both teams so that would be my my game to watch North Dakota at Kansas City on Thursday it's getting spicy guys I keep saying it this is my my favorite all the implications and the what ifs and the predictions this is this is the best time so we're nearing for, March for those listening if you don't like our power rankings become a fan voter message okay. me message the page because it does vary from week to week. Some weeks I only get like eight fans that vote. Other weeks it's like 13 or 14. So yes, USD and SDSU have been tied recently and we just had one more voter vote SDSU. It has no reflection of Summit League. Um, we're just a fan podcast. Um, so if you want to be a voter, message me. We don't mean any insult to any teams by any means. So if a team loses a couple or you know, splits a game with another and they happen to be ranked higher than another team. That's just the way the fans are voting and they're watching the games just as much as we are. So um, yeah, just message us. All right. That's all that's on the uh, docket for tonight. Any closing arguments from you fellas? No, I'm, uh, I'm good. You know, this, it's going to be an exciting weekend. I know we've been saying moving weekend like the last couple of weeks, but truly there's, the opportunity, unfortunately, for one of the teams to get eliminated, um, opportunity for some teams to get into that third spot slot, you know, with a three through six. So um, a lot of good games, a lot of good student athletes playing in some big games this weekend and excited to watch it. It's Wednesday night. I just got a text from my kid's school due to impending weather. They are no school tomorrow, so they will be home with me. So we are getting snow and ice and hellfire and brimstone in Macomb again. Uh, just as soon as the snow, the, all the snow melted from the blizzard two weeks ago, just melted yesterday. It is now going to be covered with ice and another layer of snow. So it's going to be fun. I saw the Jacks are already in Macomb, so I'm glad they're already in town safe, safely. Coyotes, when you're coming down, please be careful. Looking forward to seeing you guys here on Saturday as well. Maybe you should have tweeted at JD. That's how you stop STSU from shooting so hot as they don't come. <laughs> That's awesome. Do snow and hellfire function together, Scott? I was just curious. What what? Snow and hellfire? You said you had both. Like, do they function together? We got we had weird weather patterns here in here in Macomb. It's I will have to explain the Macomb Dome later to everyone because okay. <laughs> it is the it is my favorite 
Macomb related conspiracy theory. And that's a teaser for a later podcast. Definitely doing our favorite conspiracies next oh time. Well, weather wise, uh, in Clemson, we're looking at a lot of rain. So that's funsies, but I'm happy that it's not ice or snow. Basketball wise, we're probably not looking at many wins, but hey, that's okay too. I'm actually shocked, Madison. You didn't go to the Duke Clemson game, Coach K. I sold my ticket. Oh my gosh. I do have to tell this story before we go. I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) I'm really not because I'm going to tell it anyway. Okay. So I bought season tickets. Um, and this has been a topic of conversation in the, the summit league men's group chat that we have going on on Twitter, but my season tickets, um, as a faculty and staff member with the 20, or I think it's a 20% discount were $260 base price. And then the seat like level donation that I chose to pay was 125 without the faculty staff, it would have been base three, like 75, I think. So I got it has to be more than 20%, but I got a lot off. So anyway, 260 plus 125, that's what I paid for my men's season tickets. So the Duke game was supposed to be December 29th. I was going to be home in South Dakota for Christmas break. So I was like, I'll sell my ticket. Listed it on StubHub, never saw an email from them. So I didn't think anything of it. Well, then I got rescheduled to February 10th. So I was like, okay, well, I'll go because I'm going to be in town. Like, this is going to be awesome. We played them really close last time. So like, this should be fun. So I'm looking for my ticket like a week before and I can't find it. And I call the ticket office and they were like, you sold it. So then I found the email from StubHub and I was like, okay, I sold it for $241. So I literally made my season ticket money, the base price back. I listed it for 284, but StubHub took like $40 out of it, which I mean, it's fine. That's why I listed it so high, but yeah, I did. uh, I did not go. I'm glad I didn't because it was not a pretty turnout. We had some ugliness going on, but that's all all done and settled now. But yeah, it wasn't great. So I'm one of the worst fouls I've ever seen in any basketball game. <laughs> one of the worst. Yeah. I I mean, I'm not gonna defend it. I've heard <laughs> quite a bit about it on Twitter and everything. And I think it's just kind of I don't ever want to say anything bad about an athlete, you know. So I just I, I'm definitely not gonna defend his actions, but I hope that whatever sparked that decision has now been resolved within him. And I think, I know people on Twitter were saying like, oh, apologies, you know, don't mean anything and blah, blah, blah. Like, at least he had the way votes to go apologize. Yeah. I think that's a start. So, all right. You got a little, uh, a little ACC men's talk in there with you. So, so there you go. That is our podcast for the week. Uh, Make sure you're keeping on the up and up and we will see you next week.